Hey Eagles fans, this is Mike K from NJ Advanced Media and welcome to the No Huddle Show podcast where we discuss anything and everything Philadelphia Eagles. You can read our content on nj.com slash eagles, bookmark that, and you can subscribe to our exclusive Eagles Insider Tech service where we'll break news, give you insider observations, and provide in-depth analysis. Through Eagles Extra, you can send questions and comments directly to us and we'll respond to your phone. With me today, as always, is my fellow Eagles beat reporter, Chris Franklin. Today, we're going to discuss Jalen Hurts, baby. <laughs> Chris, this isn't your point to talk yet. We'll also, or laugh, uh, we'll also talk about uh, Doug Peterson's biggest challenge yet, and we'll preview the daunting task against the Saints. Chris, you are full of the giggles today. What, uh, what, what, uh, I'm, oh what's God. on your mind? Uh, first off, if you get a random call from a producer on the voice, um, yeah, that was not me. I'm going to say that to begin with, but, uh, overall, uh, looks like we're, uh, starting to potentially the beginning of the Jalen Hurts era. I mean, that was some big news I dropped on Tuesday. Oh, really? I, I had no idea. Yeah, um, this, this, this you thing know, happened. Just, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> look, here, here's what I'll say. This was 1,000% the right move, as we talked about on the past on, on the previous podcast. 1,000% the right move. I mean, well, at least I said that. But here, like, we're going to talk about why. We're also going to talk about how it could impact uh, the central figures of the Eagles organization over the last five years. Harry Roseman, Doug Peterson, Carson Wentz, and maybe in turn the rest of the staff and the roster. Uh, Chris, when you heard the change of coming, the winds were blowing. I mean, they were, there was like a flurry outside. What was your opening takeaway? What was your first thought? It was, for me, it was one of those things where it felt like it was on its way, no matter what, it was a matter of when, I mean, part of me still thought that there may have been an outside shot that it was just for a half to go ahead and just say, Hey, listen, Carson, if you don't fix your stuff then you're you're done done but it looks like they're going ahead and when i heard that it actually landed it was it was still a little shocking but it, it was kind of expect it came to that point where it was expected and it it's gotten to this point now where you, you kind of have to wonder what's going to go a can you still go ahead where, where's carson wins at mentally even though he keeps saying hey you know what i'm fine i'm looking at this forward and itself but you have to wonder you know you People are going to if he, he whenever he goes out in public to pick up even a grocery store, pick up diapers or what have you. He's going to have people are going to say, hey, you know what? They bench you or hey, you know what? He's going to constantly hear it no matter what from family members, friends and everything else. It's it was shocking. It's, it, you just have to wonder where this organization goes from here on out. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. I didn't take Wentz's benching as this is the end of the Carson Wentz era in Philadelphia. To me, this is protecting a high-valued asset, a very well-paid asset, and letting him reset. The playoffs are basically out of the mix. You have a backup quarterback that you spent a high asset on who you have no idea what he can do. He showed you a little bit of promise against the Packers. Let's see if he can provide a spark. And look, if he plays well under the same circumstances that Wentz was dealing with, then maybe you jump to the conclusion of maybe there needs to be a quarterback uh, competition next year. 
I'm in the camp that I don't think a trade is really in the works just because trading a guy and then having him count as $34 million on your salary cap isn't very good business. Also, when you have the cap issues that the Eagles are likely going to have, which is about $70 million in debt, um, I think they realize that next year is going to be a down year from the jump. This is going to be a rebuild situation. And frankly, if you're Jeffrey Lurie, uh, and let's say you keep either Howie Roseman or Doug Peterson or both, uh, it makes sense to ride it out with the current uh, stable because either they'll falter and it'll be easy to get rid of them and you'll have a high draft pick next year and your cap will be back to where it needs to be to entice a new GM and a new head coach. Um or they rebound and you keep the guys that you want to keep. I think from Jalen Hurts' perspective, he is not set up to succeed at all. Let's make this clear. His strengths are very different than Carson Wentz's. Uh, This offense needs to change radically to cater to him, and the Eagles showed no willingness to cater to Carson Wentz. I don't know why they would do this for a rookie who may only get a shot at four games. Uh, The offensive line is terrible, The wide receivers aren't getting open regularly. The play calling is so elementary and so predictable that opposing defenses are just shutting them down. Um, I talked to Dan Orlovsky from ESPN, the former Colts, Bucks, Texans, Lions quarterback, and he told me that they would have to rapidly change the offense. They'd have to use more RPOs, more quarterback runs. They'd have to move Hurts out of the pocket more. They'd have to develop a a very strong running game. Well, they did none of that with Carson Wentz. So why would they suddenly do that with Jalen Hurts? And if they did, that's a big indictment of Doug Peterson for not adjusting to Carson Wentz's skill set, but adjusting to a second round pick. Maybe that says more about how much he, he, how much confidence he has in Carson Wentz moving forward, but also how in he was on the Jalen Hurts pick. I mean, you've taken the genie out of the bottle and now you have to kind of, grant your three wishes maybe four wishes i guess because it's four games listen if jalen hurts and the eagles split this offensive i mean this this four game stretch and somehow the giants tank or or the redskins tank and they may win the division title with hurts that's the only way i could see this having less clear this situation having less clarity than before but i think it's hard to predict that this team will split this four game stretch or, e- or even maybe they win one game. I, I think it'll be a lot like uh, the end of the Andy Reid era where Nick Foles had, I think four, uh, three or four starts played relatively well, but the team still lost. And then he had that walk off touchdown pass to Jeremy Macklin against the Buccaneers. And that was his sole win. And that got you thinking, well, there's going to be a QB competition when the new head coach comes in. Like that's where I kind of see this going. Where, where are you at with that? Chris? See, I, I think I ex- I really think that they'll be competitive when they come against Washington and New York, and the, I it, I just don't see when it comes to the Cardinals will be in the middle of a playoff push. I think they'll play well, and then when it comes to this upcoming game against the Saints, I, I I just don't see that that happening as well too. But in that case, I really think that, and and, and whew, I'm about to say this, I really am as much as I've been pushing for Hurts, I really truly am a Carson Wentz supporter, and. For that fact that if Hurts all of a sudden goes three or 
three and one. I don't see how it happens, but if they go three and one or two and two, and all of a sudden they're in a somehow get back into this NFC East division race and actually have a shot to winning it. I don't know how the team will go ahead and say, Hey, you know what? He's not our hurts. is not our starter or doesn't have the inside edge going into the next season. And $35 million. What, yeah. Oh, I see that. Yeah. I mean, do they sit in, sitting on there and just go, Hey, you know what? They may try it. They may say, Hey, you know what? Even though $35 million looks like it's sitting there, but he gives us the best chance to win. And, if this, especially if this is an organization that keeps saying that they want to win, they want to win, they want to win, despite the money. I think, and getting back to a previous point you said as well too, that's about the uh, about Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson. I think they both come back just for two reasons. One, I just don't see how, uh, I just don't see how you have a general manager willingly wants to come in and go, hey, you know what? I can turn this stuff stuff around, and I'm but with a $67 million over the cap. And I can go ahead and move this and move that and everything else. I mean, I I think they'd go ahead and rather sit and wait the extra year to see who else comes available to lower man because I think you can get a better quality GM instead of just saying, hey, you know what, we'll just take whoever is going to be here just to make a change. And second, I think is it Peterson's contract's after, over after in the next year, I believe. So you just might as well you can get a fresh start with that as well too. I just don't see – I really see this is going to be much of the same of next year, possibly with a couple of new picks here and there, and hope that they develop and don't get ruined. So, I just, I, I think, I still think this whole entire situation is it, it could, it could potentially, it could potentially ruin Carson Wentz. I'm, I'm, I'm really worried about that. So, I wrote this uh, column on NJ.com on Wednesday about basically what could happen with each scenario with Jalen Hurts. Basically, I take it through, you know, if Jalen Hurts balls out, then, you know, this is probably either going to lead to a quarterback competition or the Eagles shopping Carson Wentz and taking the hit. Uh, It also definitely means that Howie Roseman and Doug Peterson are probably back because, one, it shows that, Wentz might have been the biggest part of the problem, not Howie Rosman's, you know, roster building or Doug Peterson's play calling, at least from the ownership's perspective. Uh, I think we can both agree that both Doug Peterson and Howie Rosman have had massive faults this season and prior to this season. Um, But the ideal scenario for the two guys at the top would be for Jalen Hurts to come in have that two and two, three and one stretch, look really good. The Eagles haven't scored more than 17 points since the bye. Uh, If he can kind of average like 25 points a game for this offense, I think they'll feel really good about where they are with him. And they can shop Wentz. If Wentz can't be, be traded for the, you know, the appropriate value, you keep them and you have them compete. There's nothing wrong with the QB competition when you're a team that's going to be in for a major rebuild, which is what this team is headed for. They are going to cut a lot of notable veterans. This is going to be a rebuild. I repeat, a rebuild. Not a reboot, not a not a build on the fly. This is a rebuild. Um, not a retool? Not a retool. No, that's what this year was supposed to be. This year was supposed to be the retooling, and it's bombed. Uh, so let's say that Hurts bombs, right? What happens then? Well, Carson Wentz is going to be somewhat vindicated. You know, the situation isn't set up for him to succeed. It wasn't set up for Hurts to succeed. But it shows you that 
maybe Doug Peterson's play calling magic is eroded. Maybe he he's not that great of a QB developer. And so from an ownership standpoint, you say, hey, I want to get a guy in here who can make an offense hum. Uh, an Arthur Smith, a Brian Dable, a Lincoln Riley, uh, a Jim Codwell, uh, an Eric Bieniemy, like somebody of that ilk. And you want to give an upstart guy his shot. Um, the same can be said about the general manager. If the roster is not working, the depth hasn't been very good and they've made some gambles that have not paid off with positive bets and positive returns. The rookie class classes the past few years have offered very little return. Um, it's time to get a new guy in there. And what I will say is this, yes, this job is not as appealing to a GM as it might've been a year ago. This cap situation is not great, but if if hurts bombs, they've got a top five pick. They have seven draft picks who are that are all going to be very very early because they're fourth. While they traded away their twenty twenty one fourth round pick to the Browns, they also acquired the Cowboys' uh, fourth uh, fifth round pick, and that's an early one. Um, so, look, they've got ammunition they're expected to get three compensatory picks as well so that's 10 draft picks uh most first year gms don't spend money anyway and this is their chance to kind of rebuild and create a base what i will say that's not appealing is if you're not a believer in carson wentz or jalen hurts you're stuck with two quarterbacks and your sandbag there. That said, I think Jeffrey Lurie would look for a GM and a head coach who believe in Carson Wentz and believe that he can be uh, fixed. Um, and if he can't, then you move on. But that's where I kind of see it hap- playing out if he fails. Now let's talk about if Jalen Hurts is basically more of the same. Let's say they their one wins against the Cowboys. He plays okay. He He's completing let's say 56% of his passes, he throws four touchdowns and and five interceptions or whatever, uh, runs for a couple of touchdowns. But really, this offense is still averaging about 22 points per game. Uh, The defense is kind of being hung out to dry. What do you think happens then? Well, I think that Wentz becomes the starting quarterback next season. I think it's going to be a lot of stuff. It'll it'll take a lot of stuff for that to happen, but I think – I wouldn't put too much of it being. Actually, I think it was a draw. I wouldn't put too much. I wouldn't put too much into it when it comes to Hertz because, especially, he's getting he'd be getting his first significant snaps over those few for few games, and you can't fault him for that. I don't know. I just don't know if that would be enough if he puts enough tape. Now, say if he throws say three hundred yards in two of those games, any of those losses, then all right, cool. But if he's still if he's doing one hundred fifty yards and a touchdown and two picks, three picks around that thing, same numbers as Carson. I think it, you'll you'll definitely go ahead and you'll see Wentz going back in there as the definitive starter, as opposed to Hertz being the be, being the guy who's hey, you know what he's promising? Let's set him back there and see if we can trade him away for something. I I think that he still ha- I I'm, I think he still he Hertz brings a a, a, diff- a certain skill set that can be useful. I think he's go ahead he we obviously know his athletic ability. I think he's good when it comes to those that, that short to intermediate ra- range and I think if you got him in a system where you go ahead you mentioned RPOs that will fit his skill set very well. I think if you got him uh 
if you went back to the old traditional West Coast style and you go ahead and threw him in like something like that, using a lot of Jeff Garcia, something like that, I think he'd be good something similar like that too. I wouldn't go all, hey, you know what, let's go run and shoot. Let's go ahead and go four wide and throw the ball down the field the whole entire time. But that, I think I think if if that's the case where he proves that, hey, you know what, he does some things good well, but it's still a little bit, hey, he's got a long ways to go. You, you, you'll see wins back in there. Look, uh, I I agree with you completely, but I do think that would mean that one of the the overarching figures like Howie or Doug are let go. Like the only way they're both back is if Jalen hurts balls out. Like that's, can we agree on that? I don't know. because I, I mean, look, look, Chris, you, you tend to, to lean on the loyalty. Oh, this part. is not a loyalty part. I'm, no, I'm no, 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 no loyal. Lo- I should rephrase that loyalty logic. That is, that is very much your arguments typically. So like Alshon Jeffrey, whatever, like you, you that's what i notice and there's nothing wrong with that i'm just saying like that should be acknowledged like that is like that's your mindset which i get and i appreciate what's it's what makes you such a great partner but my my point to you is what if you're an owner who has played that card way too many times and you're evaluating this roster how that's the thing as well too i think that's that you have that owner who has done that too many times and if the zebra hasn't changed the spots yet, and I think he, get, I think I really think he's still very, very loyal to a lot of these guys on his team, and that's why I just looking overarching. And and another thing is a lot of guys, Jeffrey and uh, Doug Peterson, same as your agent as well too. So I, I'm I'm wondering if it's one of those things where he just feels comfortable enough for one more season to go ahead and go, hey, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and just see what these guys have done. They've gotten me to the I've had the most success with these guys that I've ever had with any coaching thing besides any Reed, but I still think the Super Bowl trumps the Reed tenure. That's why I'm that's why I'm coming with this with this recent thing when it comes to Howie and Doug being back. I just think that from the business side, I think Jeffrey feels more comfortable with having those guys around. And also he they he knows their agent. He's the one he the Eagles have not only him, not not only Roseman and Peterson, they have Deuce and Press Taylor all share the same agent. So that's why I think that it really looks like they're all going to be together and remain together. That's that's so, where I'm coming from on that. So let me give you the solution to that. Hire Deuce. I, he should he should have been hired. And I, no, he but here, he hear me out here. Hear me right, out okay. here. We've never right. seen him play call plays. I'm not really worried about that. I want guys who can I want a head coach who can lead grown men and can command respect. Deuce Staley was a much more successful player than Doug Peterson was. Whoops, as my alarm goes off. Uh, Musical he's, interlude. He's also a guy who has a much different temperament. Uh, he's going to hold you accountable. He's honest. He's calm, but he's honest. And I think, not that Doug's not, but I think Deuce is more direct. And guys respect him. He's proven that he can develop talent at the running back position. He's had experience working with special teams. Um He's a guy who I think would be a really good CEO head coach. If he hired a really good offensive coordinator, a Graham Harrell maybe, uh, or somebody who's like an up-and-comer, and maybe they share the play-calling responsibilities or what have you, and then, you know, he can bring in a defensive coordinator. Maybe he promotes Matt Burke, who has done a terrific job as a defensive coordinator. 
or sorry, as a defensive line coach and he has a back, uh, he's got a history as a linebackers coach and a defensive coordinator. Um, I think that Jeffrey Lurie is a very progressive thinker. I think it's been a long time since uh, the Eagles have had a person of color in a very key demanding role. And I think Lurie would be really thrilled to, or, or really uh, be happy to make that hire soon. Um, I think there are a lot of terrific head coaching candidates out there. There's a lot of prime young uh, GM candidates as well. Uh, and a lot of them are minorities. And I think that this is a very forward thinking organization. And this could be the opportunity to bring in someone who's maybe lacked the opportunity before. We talk about Eric Bieniemy all the time, but a guy like Todd Bowles, who I thought was unfairly scapegoated by the Jets because his roster was awful. Uh, you talk about a guy like um, uh, Steve Wilkes, who we were talking about the other day, you remember? Um, he's a guy who could come in and be a defensive coordinator. There are guys in this league that need opportunities, and I think – Deuce Staley is a guy that they've invested so much time in. He's kind of the running back equivalent of Press Taylor. Those are the two guys that this this organization has really just dug in deep with. And I just think it's time for Deuce Staley to get his turn. And that's not – I'm speaking as somebody who has no skin in the game here. I I don't – there's no loyalty to Deuce, Deuce Staley here. Like, I – there's no fan attachment to him either. Um, I just – think that deuce is a guy who players look up to they respect and if you need a change but you want to stay loyal to the to the norm he would be the guy that i would think would make make sense as a doug peterson successor especially when you consider the fact that he could hire his own defensive coordinator and maybe bring in somebody who has new ideas at offensive coordinator because chris the biggest challenge for Doug Peterson is proving that the staff of a billion assistants that he has actually has new ideas with the new quarterback at the helm. That's the biggest challenge this next month. And Dan Orlovsky doesn't think you can change your offense that quickly overnight throughout a week or even throughout a month. But this offensive staff needs to do something. Uh, I know you had a great conversation with Troy Vincent, the former Eagles great who's now doing great things with the league. What did, what did he kind of tell you about Deuce? Yeah, I was talking to him for an upcoming piece that I'm doing, and he th- Deuce is actually the reason, the recent compensation change that they actually did, uh, that the owners passed last month. Deuce was the main reason and linchpin behind that whole entire, entire movement. I mean, Vincent, Vincent said that he believes that Deuce Daly is ready to be an offensive coordinator. He can be a good play caller, and that – he was actually, and this was reported previously by Athletic, but the reason why this compensation came is because Deuce was actually going to be hired by the Chicago Bears to be their offensive coordinator. And what happened was is that the Eagles said it was argued that it was a lateral move because he was an assistant head coach, and that's what the rules had at the time, and that's why he uh, he still remains as a running backs coach and assistant head coach for the Eagles. But it's obvious that he has enough talent right now if if the Bears were willing to if Matt Nagy and the Bears were willing to say, hey, Noah Deuce, I want you to be my office coordinator and, and scheme everything around and have you be my right hand man when it comes to this offense, I, that's a big, big telling sign. If people are willing willing to go ahead and, and try to poach away your coaching talent, you have something there. And that's why I was a little 
I was a little shocked personally when you started hearing that Press Taylor was going to get a little bit more of the play calling responsibility. You started and Deuce wasn't the guy, especially if he was about to be snatched away. If, if he has, if people feel he has that much talent, that 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 was crazy. But I think what Vincent Vince is saying, like I, I agree with you. I wouldn't mind seeing Deuce becoming the head coach, I don't, or I even wouldn't mind seeing say, hey, hey, you know what, Jim Caldwell, you be the head coach. Deuce, you be the offensive coordinator. Caldwell has a great history of working out with quarterbacks. So no matter if you decide to go with Wentz or Hurts, you got a great guy that can go ahead and f- hopefully rebuild them and put in the finer points of playing a quarterback. And then you still have Deuce Daly here in the organization, a guy who's revered very well from his time as a player all the way through a coach, being the guy who either calls the plays or he actually sets up the offense as well, too. I think that would be a good situation, I think, for the Eagles to have, for Laurie to have as well, too, because you have you're right. Ray Rhodes has been a long, long time ago. And Ray Rhodes, Emmett Thomas, all those guys, a long, long time ago. So I think that would that would that was kill two birds with one stone. Yeah, I, I think Deuce and Jim Caldwell would be in my top five potential. Like if I just off the top of my head, Arthur Smith would be one. I'm a very big Arthur Smith guy. Uh, the Titans offensive coordinator, very good at scheming the run, very good at I mean, he, he he made the most of Ryan Tannehill, who I've said before, had a, a pretty similar regression in Miami before he came to the Titans. Um, I think Jim Codwell would maybe be two or three on that list. Deuce would probably be five. Um, but that's the lo- loyalty angle. I think number two for me would be Todd Bowles. I, I don't think they're going to hire defensively, but he is a guy who I'm a big believer in. Um, I also don't think that Howie Roseman would go back to a three, would want to go back to a three, four. And I think that's where Todd Bowles really succeeds. And then, yeah, so I do Jim Codwell three and then four would be Brian Dable and five would probably be Deuce Staley. And this is just a list off the top of my head, but let's get into this this week because we've this, you know, for a preview podcast, we've really been previewing the future in a way that like, (laughs) so let's, let's talk about this. So the saints have the number one defense in the league. They are very good against the run. Uh, They're number two against the run. Um, They do got do a good job in passing uh, uh, defense as well. Um, It's tough. Look, these are, these have been grinded out games with Taysom Hill at quarterback and the Eagles are going to be in for a long night if they cannot control Taysom Hill on the ground. Um, Alvin Kamara is kind of ha- is kind of having a bit of an off year, but that's because the talent. Are, I mean, Mike Thomas was out of the lineup for a while. Uh, Taysom Hill's not really the best thrower of the football. Uh, he, you know, so what stands out to you about the Eagles' defense's matchup against the Saints' offense? Well, they had trouble trying to contain Daniel Jones, trying to run up on those midline, on those midline runs and 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 those draws and everything else. Taysom Hill brings is a bigger to me is a is a tougher version of a Taysom of Daniel Jones. They're going to have issues with that. I think he's starting to grow. Seeing that, watching that game last week, he's starting to get better command of what it takes to be an NFL quarterback. He's getting he has a good feel of that offense. He's making his reads around he's making the right reads at the right time and he's starting to become a little bit more accurate i mean i don't think you have to i think the eagles will have to worry more about the watching mike guys like michael thomas on the slants and then missing tackles and picking up big yards and as opposed to watching for the 60 70 yard bomb down the field that's what really scares me about that's that that the tackling of the eagles linebackers secondaries 
on some of these shorter routes and intermediate routes would have scared me. And as well, if Hill doesn't get that, then you have to make sure that not only do Graham, Barnett, other defensive ends, make sure they keep him inside the pocket before he and not get outside of him so he can take off and run. You got to make sure your second level guys, mainly your linebackers or safety that's playing in that box, make sure they go ahead and, 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 atta- and attack them that way. It's, it's going to be tough to see how much they actually try to maybe throw a spy to them. I know they play a lot of man-to-man, which is going to be tough because their backs are going to be toward <laughs> their backs be toward Taysom Hill, so it could be tough that way too. And that's that's why I really think it's going to be tough for that Eagles defense to stop this offense. And he has Sean Payton too, so that doesn't help. Well, I, I, you know, to, to that point, I, I with Darius Slay a little hobbled, I wouldn't be shocked if they play a lot more zone. You yeah. know, just to kind of, I mean, the matchup really favors playing zone. And if Darius Slay has to come out of the game occasionally, why mess with that? I mean, I'd rather downgrade Darius Slay than you know, put my defense in, in a bind five ga- five plays into the game if he if he has to come out. You know, I, I just don't think there's a lot of logic to handcuffing your defense to an injured player. Does that make sense? Um, I'm, I agree with you. See, and I thought the zone aspect would be what the New Orleans defense does to Jalen Hurts. I agree. Because especially when you look that way too, you don't you know it's scramble. And then you also force Hurts to go ahead and be more patient and try to pick you apart that way because you're going to make sure – because if he starts to go one read, one read, two read, then I'm running, and you have the whole entire defense looking at you trying to see it. he's not patient trying to pick the defense apart, that's where you start to run. And you can disguise so much with his zone. I know you can disguise so much with man too, but you can disguise so much with his own, and especially him being rookies, it, it could be a tough thing. So you may this may be a game where both offenses will have to be patient by, by what they play, but especially the Eagles' offense is going to have to be patient when trying to attack that defense. That's our, that tough Saints defense. Well, I mean, when you look at the Saints defense, as good as they are against the run, they haven't really played a Jalen Hurts-esque player at quarterback this year. And I think that helps from the RPO standpoint. I think Miles Sanders will have more success against the Saints than he has in recent weeks. I think they're going to have to lean on the running game. And since it's Doug Peterson, he probably like he, he doesn't have to cater to Carson Wentz in the fact that he wants to make he knows the Carson Wentz is the best player on the field and he can get them out of certain things if he's at, at his best. This is a situation where you got a rookie quarterback and you've got to kind of adjust. You have to. You're forced to it. Uh, that's part of the reason why I like this move. Um, so I think, look, they're going to have to run the RPO game. They're going to have to run screens. We've seen Carson Wentz really struggle mightily as a screen thrower this season. Maybe Jalen Hurts brings a little bit better form there, especially, you know, when you have Boston Scott, who I think is an asset, you know, in space. Um, I thought, uh, you know, Jason Kelsey still looks like he can block in space. Isaac Samalu is really important in that 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 role so that can be an extension of the running game and look i like the jalen hurts plays without fear the guy has no fear um seems very calm seems very confident uh and you know what the wide receivers seem pretty thrilled that he's playing to be honest with you uh greg ward and jalen rager are longtime friends of his and i think they kind of are just ready to rock with him i mean you saw immediately uh they benefited from Jalen Hurts, who was willing to take strikes down the field. I know they were playing a lot of press cover. I mean, a lot of off coverage and, and guys are able to get open a little bit better because there's a little bit of ease because it was a blowout. But look, I like what I saw from Jalen Hurts. Dan Orlovsky likes what he saw from Jalen Hurts. I like how he got the ball out of his hands quickly. It seems like he's more, he's taken less damage and he's less, uh, 
I'm trying to think of the word, but he's less uh, shell-shocked right now. And that's important because it means that he'll look at the field with, with wide eyes and he'll really take the time. He'll take the patience. He won't panic. And I think that that could help the Eagles over the next month. I don't have the Eagles winning this game, but I do think it'll be a lot closer than a lot of people are predicting. Well, I didn't say, and you mentioned the poise, yeah, and, and that's one of the things that he's carried throughout his whole entire career. I mean, we asked, had a chance to ask Nick Saban yesterday during his, he did his SEC teleconference, and that's the one thing he said he wouldn't have, if he didn't, he started Hurts as a freshman, he thought if he didn't have the charisma, the amount of charisma that he had, he wouldn't have gone ahead and put him in there. And the fact that he was able to go ahead and not only bounce back from being essentially benched when he was for Tua, when he was at Alabama, then finding a way and still keeping the confidence to go over to Oklahoma and then finish second in the Heisman voting. So you know he has the makeup to go ahead and – so if he sees – if he has a tough time or he starts to feel frustrated, you know he's going to remain calm and he's going to go ahead and try to still will that offense down the field. So I don't, I definitely don't think charisma, charisma and or leadership are going to be issues that – that you'll see with Hertz is it's, it's all going to come down to what he's able to do with his physical ability. And I think that's going to be that. But even then, like, like you said, I, I still see the saints winning that. And I think that's, I think that's all something where the saints couldn't win the division if they go ahead and beat the Eagles this week. And I think they just wrap up the NFC South and just make that March toward the number one seed. I just see it's going to be, it's going to be like, I say it's, it, I think it's going to be close early on, but then I think the saints pull away. I have the Eagles losing 26-24. What's your score? I have Saints 30, Eagles 16. Wow, so the same score as the uh, the Packers game. Yeah, I really think it's going to be something similar. It's going to be tantalizingly like, hey, you know what? The Eagles might win this, and then Sean Payton's going to light up. It's going to be a little upset at halftime, yells at his team, and then all of a sudden they come out and look a lot better. It used to be, it was like when, when teams played the 0-16 Detroit Lions. Like, if you remember – those games were always really close going to halftime. And it was something, it was like a head coach was just like, or, or like some random players like, you know, we're playing the lions. Right. And then you would see them just get blown <laughs> out of the building. Um, so with that said, if you'd like updates and analysis during the game, sent straight to your phone uh, and all the updates you need, Sign up for Eagles Extra at nj.com slash text. You can download the No Huddle Show podcast wherever you download podcasts. Um, you know, we'll be cranking out the jams throughout the rest of the season and beyond. Um, Chris is entering the final stretch of his first season on the Eagles beat. This is the final stretch of my third season on the Eagles beat. We're going to continue to bring the goodness throughout the month of December through the holidays, through potentially a rough Monday for a couple of people in the Eagles organization, through the offseason, and we're going to have a lot of fun with the draft because I think Chris and I um, are really gearing up towards that. It plays to our strengths. Um, before I was a beat writer, I was a draft writer, and Chris has a lot of background in obviously playing but also evaluating at, uh, you know players so that'll be really fun they'll have some high draft picks probably so it'll be worth uh checking out but for chris i'm mike thanks for tuning into the no huddle show podcast we'll talk to you soon